Good morning, church family. It is great to be back here with you all this morning to be able to present the gospel to you, uh, God's message from the Psalms. Um, if you're a guest for the first time or if you've been coming for a few weeks, I am one of the elders here. My name is Steve Smith, and I, I have the opportunity to be able to preach this morning uh, because to give thanks to Ryan. He led our youth this week to summer camp up in Johnson City, Tennessee. He hasn't done that in what, uh, seven, eight years? And um, of course our youth went, they had a wonderful time. My daughter, my oldest daughter, she came back Friday evening and just shared so much about youth camp. And then my youngest daughter came back yesterday and thanks to the children's team, uh, youth camp over at, or kids camp over at Barton College down in North Carolina, and they had a wonderful time. And thanks to those leaders, uh, Miss Lauren and Miss Christie, if she's in, I think she just left. But uh, I did want to say thank you to to all the volunteers and the people that went and took our our youth. That is going to be the ones that will be taking the message out into the streets um, as they grow. But today we are continuing our summer series in Psalm 119, and we're looking at verses 25 through 32. So if you have a Bible, please open it to those verses. If not, there are Bibles in your pew that you can use, take with you. We have plenty of them. They are a gift to you if you are a visitor with us. And as we stand to read God's word, we are going to be projecting it on the screen and also read it out loud. Now, as I read this, please pay careful attention to some specific words that, are, that the psalmist wrote here because they may resonate with you today. So starting in verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me, teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away from sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So let's, let's go to the God in prayer right now before we, well, we start our sermon. Father God, we thank you again so much for this wonderful opportunity that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you in song, to worship you in scripture reading, to worship you in understanding everything that you have put in, in the Bible for us to read and to learn from. As we continue, Father, this, this psalmist writing in verse 119, the things that he experiences and the things that he wants to experience from you, Father, that we can take what we learn today and apply it to our daily walk. I thank you again, Father, for this opportunity and the words that I share, Father, they are all you. It is not me, Father, it is all you. And I thank you and I praise you. In Christ's name, amen. 
So I'm going to talk about a preacher first. And this preacher, some of you may know who I'm talking about. Some of you may not. And that's okay because there have been many, many preachers out there from most recent in, in the 21st century, dating all the way back to where we have recorded time of First Peter or Peter. But this preacher I'm talking about is John Bunyan. No relationship to Paul Bunyan, the lumberjack. This, this man was an uneducated man living in the 16th century. And see, John was not an educated man, and yet he had a passion for spreading the word. He was not ordained by the Anglican church, nor the bishops. So what he was doing was actually against the law to spread the word. But he did it anyway. And he also held religious services to where people would come and attend and he would preach the gospel. Well, eventually it got, it got around to the law and they arrested him and put him in prison for 12 years. Now, during this time, his family had to rely on charity the whole time. He could not provide, being in jail, he could not make money to provide to his family, so his family relied on charity. So we had this man living for Christ, going through difficult trials, him being in jail, his family going through difficult trials. And today, we may be, may be facing difficult trials. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so the big picture that we're going to see with the psalmist here and the trial that he faces, we are going to learn that God's word transforms us, revives us, during the trials that we may face. The psalmist here shows great humility, spiritual growth, and dependence on God for everything. And what a great example we have to learn from it. You jump right into verse 25, and the first thing he says is he pleads for his life. The psalmist has sunk down so low that he is clinging to the dust. I mean, this is an inward, deep, deep pain that he is experiencing. It's not some minor irritation like, oh, I stubbed my toe this morning. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. No, this is something that this trial is being faced. He is relating it to death. We see the psalmist clings to the, to the dust. And sometimes we do that. But we need to ask ourselves, when we're in a very difficult spot such as the psalmist and we don't see a positive outcome, what do we typically do? We try to solve it ourselves through either relationships, entertainment, painkillers, addictions, but not the psalmist. He knows exactly where to turn, God's word. And we have so many verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament to get those examples that we can apply to understand the comfort that God gives us each and every day. You know, two of those verses, and just two, of many, 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 are from just the Old Testament alone. Psalm 56, verse four. In God whose word I praise... And God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? 
The psalmist says, nothing can touch me because I have the word of God. I have my relationship with God. I should not be afraid of anything. And then in Proverbs 30, verse five, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. I mean, these two verses right here are a prime example of what the psalmist states at the very beginning. He has full confidence in the word of God to provide the power and sufficiency to help give life back to him. We have the same thing. We need to do the same thing. But we also need to have prior knowledge of the word to be able to go to those passages to know that God's comfort is there for us. And then when we continued looking at from verse 25, clinging to the dust, but then going to God's word to verse 26, now we see the psalmist saying, well, this is how I did it, God. This is how I, I'm, I'm, I did it my way. His confession to God of what he did. And then also as believers, we do the same thing. We try to cope on our own. We try to manage our own worry. But we should always cast our anxieties to God. I mean, this is the example that the psalmist has. <laughs> so we have another theologian from the 17th century. His name is Samuel Clark. And he wrote the following, and this is very simplistic in words. Christians deprive themselves of their most solid comforts by their unbelief and forgetfulness of God's promises. God's promises are all throughout scripture. And yet we sometimes forget about them. That old saying about, we look to him in the valleys, but we forget him in the, on the mountaintops. When everything in life is going well, we forget about his word. When everything is so low and we're facing the trials, that's where we, need to, that's where we go to him. But no, we need to focus on his word across everything in our lives. You know, God encourages us to do the, just that. First Peter 5. This is Peter talking to the exiles and the elders of the church. He says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So do we do that? Do we take the examples from the psalmist in 119? Do we take the examples from 1 Peter and apply it? Well, we should. You know, the psalmist is pleading to God, goes to the word, tells God how he used to do it, and now says, God, please give me the answers. And he, he does that. God does that. He doesn't leave him nor forsake him. God was there all along with the psalmist. And here's the beauty of confessing to God our fears, our struggles, our trials, or our sins. When he listens to us and when we read his word, 
especially when we confess, he's there. And when we read his word, he is speaking to us through those scriptures. So what holds us back from reaching out to God? Is it fear that we're going to get an answer that we may not like? Is it fear of, oh, I don't know where to look to in, in scripture to find the answers? It's just a matter of reading it. Just like the psalmist, he turns to the word. He knows where life comes from, and that is through God. Now we see a shift from the psalm, or the psalmist, from sort of despair to a plea for life of teaching. The psalmist asked God to teach him his statutes. And we see that, and it flows into verse uh, 27, the first part of it. And also he's asking, make him understand the precepts. So why would the psalmist ask God for understanding of precepts and understanding of his statutes? What would we gain from asking God the same thing? If you think about it, when we meditate on the statutes and understand the precepts, we are going to learn the truth of who God is, what he expects from us, how he acts to us and for us, and where we can hear from God through the scripture. Another verse from the New Testament, 1 John 5 Verses 14 through 15, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If we want to hear God speak, we need to read his word. God's word is wondrous to the believer. And those verses 14 and 15, we go to God, we ask, he will respond. He will answer us. It may not be in the time frame that we want, but God will answer. <clears throat> Now, at the very beginning, I asked you to pay close attention to maybe some words that may resonate with you this morning. Because when we start looking in, in the latter half of verses 27, 28, and 29, there are some strong commanding words found in those scripture verses. The psalmist is asking, make me, strengthen me, teach me. So what does that show from the psalmist? What example do we have that we can relate to the psalmist if we ask those same types of things. God, make me, strengthen me, graciously teach me. We're asking for dependence upon God. God, work through me in everything. The psalmist is basically saying to God, God, give me the ability to get it, to understand it. And what is my response going to be? I'm going to sit back and I'm going to soak in your truth by studying your word. 
and then applying it. You know, there are thousands upon thousands of people who have studied the Bible and they've studied it for academia, academia purposes only. But what does that get them? If they'd never read the Bible, studied the Bible, but then accepted Christ, unfortunately they have died and are sitting in hell. And that is something that we've got to make sure that we understand that, that it's not academia of the Bible that makes us alive, but it's God, God's ability given to us to embrace his word for understanding. I could read this, and I could read it from front to back, back to front, but if I don't ask God to help me understand it, then I'm just reading it. We cannot fall into the belief that if I try hard enough just to read this, that I'm going to grow spiritually. I'm not going to understand God's word better unless I ask him to work through me to understand his word. I can't do it. Steve Smith can't do it. Only God can do it working through me and reading this. Only God causes growth. You know, 1 Corinthians 3, 7, this is Paul talking to the churches. And this is when they were arguing about who should they follow, Apollos or Paul? Well, some follow Paul, some follow Apollos. Well, I learned from him and I learned from him. And Paul says, no, neither who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. It's God who gives us everything. So we have verses 27, 28, 29. Make me, strengthen, strengthen me, and graciously teach me. Teach me what? Teach me his laws. Teach me his word. And the psalmist says, put away from me false ways, sinful ways. Things that are on the outside, that can influence me to take the wrong path and teach me your laws. See, the psalmist here, he recognizes that sin is not only in him, but around him. And they're living in unrepentant sin, so he needs to go to God again to ask for that. Put false ways far from me. Teach him his law so he knows how to obey it. And those are things that we have to do. We have to go to God to take his word, to learn it, to understand it, to obey it. You know, even Jesus taught his disciples that. You know, the, the heavenly prayer. He indicated even believers need help. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And are we doing that today? Are we taking the example from the psalmist? And when we go to God in prayer, are we asking God to take those things away from us that may draw us in to sin or may draw us into a path that we don't need to go down? I 
And then we transition into these last three verses. And we'll see a, a pattern of scripture here that is sort of like some eye responses to God acting on the psalmist's plea to help. So starting in verse 30, we see that choosing the way of faithfulness by setting God's word before him. You know, this isn't just any time of day. It's a specific time that the psalmist will read and meditate on God's word. I set your rules before me because he has chosen the way of the faithfulness, not the way of the false ways. So when do we go to God? Is it specific times of the day, such as in the morning when you wake up and before your feet even hit the floor, you say, thank you, God, for this wonderful day, this, this life that you have given me. Keep these negative things away from me today. Or is it at the end of the day when your day is over and you go to God to bring him how your day went and ask for forgiveness or maybe ask for things that have happened throughout your day that need prayer or even praise. One of the verses in Psalm, in this Psalm that I, I really like is this next one. It says, I cling to your testimonies. Why do we cling to something? Those of you that have worked in the nursery or, or the, uh, the preschool wing, parents of young kids, when you take your kids down there, sometimes they cling to you they hold on to your shirt and you're trying to put them down and they're like pulling on you. Why? Why do they do that? Why do we cling to something, especially something familiar? Because it provides trust. There's security. There's safety in it. So do we do that with God's word? Back in the beginning, the psalmist was clinging to the dust due to some trial that is being experienced. But now, just a few short verses later, what, six, seven verses later, he's clinging to God's word because he finds confidence, strength, and guidance is evident. So he wants to cling to God's testimonies. He wants to cling to God's decrees, his laws, his word. A couple of verses that we see where a writer of a psalm or in Kings uses that word again, clings. Psalm 63, 8. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And then in 2 Kings, for he held fast. And when you think about holding fast to something, you cling to it. To the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And that is something that we always need to remember that God's word is never going to let us down. We, that's why the psalmist clings to his word. That's why in 2 Kings, 
They cling to his word. They hold fast his word. And now today we hold fast to his word. We cling to his word. It will sustain us each and every day. And then we finish up with what the psalmist is doing. Verse 32. He's wanting to run in the way of God's commandments. He's not taking a leisurely Sunday afternoon stroll. He is running. He is seeking a way to obey everything that God instructs in his life. Everything prescribed to him. And how does he do that? God expands his heart, enlarging his heart. God gave him, the psalmist, the desire and ability to understand and obey his word. And do we follow suit? Are we like the psalmist that wants to go to God's word, to learn from it, to accept it, to cling to it? Do we, do we do the same thing now as Christians when we make that profession of faith in Jesus Christ? You know, when we, when we make our, our first profession of faith and we say, you know, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to turn my life over to you. Do we stop right there? Is that, is that the end of our relationship with God after we say something? No, we, we don't. We continue our relationship with God. We study his word. We pray to him. We worship him. We, go, we grow closer to him in following his word and following his commandments. So what do we do? And this is the so what part. Now that we've learned from the psalmist that he's facing a trial and he goes to God and he says, keep the sin away from me. Put your word in front of me. Help me to understand it. I want to run in the way of your commandments. So what do we do? Will we go to God and pour out our heart to him and find strength in his word? Because just like the psalmist, when we do, we know God will answer. And we have this example of the psalmist. You know, his response is pretty clear. The psalmist knows that he needs God, not just in his life, but in help in understanding the word. So another question we ask, so when we need help, especially in a time of weakness or in a time of a trial, do we do the same thing? Will we go and look to his word? Will we call out and return to God's word? And we all got to remember that God has given us the greatest gift from his word, and that was Jesus Christ. You know, we know from John 1, 1, that the word was with God in the beginning, that Jesus Christ is the word and we have eternal life through him as long as we have accepted him in our life as our savior. We cannot follow in the footsteps of a non-believer and try to tackle life on our own. We have to follow in the footsteps of the psalmist, 
and follow God and have that relationship with Jesus Christ, studying, understanding, and applying God's word in our daily walk. Isaiah 42.10 gives clear instructions on what to do. We just have to apply it. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God has given us everything that we need. It's just a matter of, are we going to accept it through a relationship with Jesus Christ and an understanding of his word and applying everything that God has given us through scripture to where we can walk today and run to him and have eternity in heaven when we do cross, cross over. And that is something that we as Christians need to take into the world is the word of Jesus Christ. And some of you may be sitting in here going, you know, I've never thought of it that way, Steve. Maybe I need to do that. And if that is something that is on your heart, then myself, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Jay, one of the other elders, will be more than happy to talk with you. I'll be up front during um, the next song, and then I'll be out front for a few minutes that we can talk with you, we can pray with you. Those that are in here that are followers of Christ, you know what to do as a believer. We make disciples to make disciples carrying the word out into the streets and just like the psalmist, run to God and his commandments. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this example of the psalmist. The example of what he does, Father. The trials that he faced, not tackling it alone, Father, but going to you asking for you to teach him, to help him understand, to revive his life as we have seen through the progression of the psalm. And Father, we know that through your word, we can have that too if we are facing a difficult time. That through your word, Father, that you will answer us and that you can revive us as well. We thank you and we praise you again, Father, for all of your blessings. And we continue to look to you for guidance in our daily walk, keeping those distractions away from us where we can meditate and understand and apply your word in our daily lives. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.